Hi, this is Chris Angelus, your host at Right at the Fork, a very important message for those of you, and we assume anybody listening to this podcast enjoys going out to eat. Well, you know you have fewer choices now. We've got a very special restaurant industry in Portland. It is now less special than it was uh, a couple of years ago before the coronavirus started. And restaurants, as you know, are undergoing some very, very, very extreme challenges. They keep getting worse. Things looked a little better. And then Omicron came about. We've got labor shortages, supply line problems. And so what restaurants don't have is the funds to move forward. There was a restaurant relief fund. It had been funded a couple of years ago. Nothing has been done. Many restaurants are now out in the cold trying to survive. And you can help by logging into saverestaurants.com slash call Congress or dialing 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. It's been made very easy for you. All you do is click. There's even a script provided for you on what to say. And as you click through, you will hit the star button and make an additional call to an additional representative in your state and go over the script again. It'll take five minutes and it's very important. Restaurants need need your help now. Please take action. And thanks for listening to Right at the Fork. This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And as always, you know, when we mention that there are some uh, sale items at Zupan's, what needs to be, it needs to be overlaid on top of the fact that everything there that you're going to find is excellent. They don't source anything or prepare anything or sell anything that hasn't been vetted as something that you're going to want to have. So that being said, right now you can get Carlton Farms boneless pork chops. You can save three bucks a pound. You can get them thick or thin cut. I particularly love their thick cut pork chops at Zupan's uh, right now $4.99 a pound and look at this sashimi grade ahi tuna steaks uh, right now under $20 a pound $16.99 a pound too so asparagus for way less than you usually see it and I love their Nusa yogurt I'm partial to um, to their raspberry and their blueberry uh, and their mango too it's my one of my favorite applications of mango for Nusa yogurt. You now have a three for five dollars. That's quite a savings on that excellent, those big tubs of yogurt. And as uh, Court, as you mentioned in the past many times, not only can you get a great deal on their ahi tuna, but they also have recipes online right now for black pepper crusted ahi tuna. Uh, at zupans.com. So check that out. Follow Zupans and uh, check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, zupans.com. And also at McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Oswego. Walk right into those stores. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. 
And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm. Yes, it is. Uh, we're deeper into our ninth year here, and I'm excited about it because uh, every episode we've recorded this year, every interview, has been really special, starting with Kimberly and Vitaly Paley back in early January, and then some uh, some great people who had worked under their wings, um, Patrick McKee and Garrett Peck uh, as well. And, uh, and then last week, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to uh, George and Lynette Hauptman from Canyon Outfitters, who do some of the greatest food preparation and serving in the state of Oregon out on the Snake River. Uh, that was a real treat to interview them. And uh, so if we're talking about our archives, um, we have eight plus years of archives. And um, I strongly suggest before you listen to this episode with Lisa Schroeder, going back and listening to episode number 88 back in 2016, Lisa was gracious enough to come on our podcast and talk very soon after the tragic death of her daughter about how that happened and how that impacted her. And uh, here we are into six years later. And in this episode, we will be talking about um, raising her daughter's children and uh, how that has been a challenge in the midst of a pandemic and having a restaurant. She has more uh, responsibilities than anybody I know of. And she handles them so well. Lisa is... um, Lisa is an incredible woman with lots of energy. Uh, of course, uh, I'm remiss in not mentioning that she operates and owns Mother's Bistro until this moment. Um, but to anybody who's been to Mother's knows how special it is. Um, and it was one of the it was one of the first places that was suggested to me when I came to Portland to investigate living here. Um, the concierge at the Fifth Avenue Suites pointed to Mother's when the first time I ever asked anybody where to go to eat in Portland. So uh, and it turned out to be an incredible few experiences uh, then. Um, Right down to her front of the house, her general manager getting us tickets to the Blazers when they didn't even know us, actually when we bought a house here. So, that being said, this episode with Lisa is very special. We get into um, some of the uh, funds that were available and how she was able to get them, Uh, some of the challenges of having a restaurant downtown in the midst of lots of protests, um, uh, a lot of vandalism, and also uh, how tourism has impacted her business uh, from a positive and a negative standpoint uh, since the pandemic started. So um, I found, I always find Lisa to be very forthright And uh, it was really interesting to hear from her, some of her perspective. And I have to say, uh, she maintains a positive attitude on where Portland will 
eventually land and how to get there. So um, it's good to hear from her because she's right in the heart of downtown with Mother's Bistro. And uh, I have to say, it was it was prom it it felt promising to hear from her some of her suggestions on what she thinks, how she thinks things need to be done. Um, and that the fact that they've been done before. So, um, at any rate, this episode with, with Lisa, again, go listen to episode 88, either before <clears throat> or after this one. We don't mean to interrupt your listening pleasure right now, but it's a, it has always been, um, when I, when I, one of the most important podcast episodes i think that we've had on right at the fork so uh let's go right into i believe this would be episode 305 now 306 um you'll see it right at the top of your um at the top of your listing so um and don't forget to like and subscribe our podcast right at the fork that helps us quite a bit we appreciate your listening and here is lisa schroeder from mother's bistro Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. And by... Portland Food Adventures. Join our host, Chris Angelis, and his colleague, Austri Enzyme, next September for a wildly delicious adventure through Western Sicily. Palermo, Marsala, and lots in between. Book now to make sure you don't miss the best of Sicily. Since 2015, PFA has been taking Portlanders on incredible journeys with Portland chefs and artisans to Europe and beyond. Check out the trips tab at portlandfoodadventures.com for Sicily, Spain, and more. Or contact Chris through the website right now while you're listening to the podcast. Well, hi, Lisa Schroeder. Hi, Chris. It's 10 in the morning and you look color coordinated. There no, there's no real color there. It's black and white, but you got the glasses, you got the scarf, all of it's going on. Well, you know, you got to look good, even if it's not for camera. Yeah. Isn't it nice that I was thinking about this the other day? I don't... I never, I haven't worn a tie in five years. You know, I see these pictures on my memories of years ago when I actually did that. But nowadays, you know, I actually take a shower just to do this so we can be online. And I figure I need a reason to groom. <laughs> well, especially since so, COVID. I never wear makeup anymore. You know, forget lipstick. Who needs that? You've got a mask. So, yeah, it's all about comfort now. Yeah, well, so here we are. But I do put on, I always put on a shirt. I don't just wear my shitty t-shirt sometimes. But, um, you know, I want to care a little bit. So I really appreciate your taking the time to be with us because I know if anybody's busy, I marvel at what you do. And uh, it's pretty incredible. I've marveled way before COVID, before all this shit happened. I can't believe how hard you work and you know you're you're just you know you're only 35 years old yeah, so I that i can understand that but no i mean as a lot of people 
and, and we don't want to discuss your age specifically, but a lot of people when they've been working as long as you have in the business are looking towards, you know, stepping away. You, you can't step away. You haven't stepped away and you're working as at least as hard as you've ever worked, I would imagine. Well, you see, and it's not just about the restaurant, Chris, I'm raising twin nine-year-olds. Okay, so, you know, you take the restaurant, that's 12-hour days. And then when I'm not at the restaurant, I'm uh, making bre- getting up at 6 in the morning to make breakfast for the guys and then make our lunches and then take them to school and get done what I can. And, you know, we have a little reprieve here because with COVID, Mother's is closed Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But, you know, we hit the ground running on Thursday and we cram as much in those days as we do in other people do in five. So, yes, it's it's doubly hard because raising twins. <laughs> I would imagine I have a friend with five-year-old twins and he comes out, he has come over to my place and it's like, okay, you, you can't sit still for a second. There's no quiet at all. I actually mandated, I, I was like out of a movie. I said, you need to not say a word for 15 minutes while I cook over here, which made me think of you because you can multitask. But 15 minutes, it lasted 15 seconds. So, But they're five. And I would imagine that at least by nine, you're starting to get out of the woods with the moment. Every moment requires attention. Well, you know, but if you don't pay attention, then uh, things can go awry. So, no, I continue to pay attention. I'm pretty vigilant. We're together most of the time, and the only time there's any quiet is if I let them have iPad time, and that's only after they've done their 20 minutes of reading. We've spent an hour on homework. We've had our dinner. It, you know, but it's, you know, it's all that. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger, as they say. You know, I remember, again, reminiscing back when I raised my kids myself, too. So, okay. Um, but I didn't have a restaurant so, to deal with. However, I did, this was back in the uh, late 90s the, and early 2000s. I did whatever I could to keep those Game Boys away from them because yeah. I knew as soon as that happened, all bets were off. Well, my ex-wife got them one, got them two for gifts, and then that was the end of that. Yeah, no, no, no. We had been trying when we were together, and then that went away. So, um, But I have to say this. It, it allowed me to have pretty calm kids when I needed them to be calm. You just do that. But I will also say this. We did two trips across the country, 55 days in the back of the car. They weren't allowed to touch those things. And I sent them to summer camp. This was the best. I'm sorry, this podcast is not about me. But you just make me realize how tough it is to do yes. what you're doing. Yes. But I sent them to summer camp while I went my uh, in the summer of what 2002 or something I came back. And the first thing that happened is my son said everybody else got to use Game Boys. We were we stood out. Why'd you do that, daddy? And, and I'm like, I thought summer camp was not about sitting there with electronics. So Anyway, uh, Lisa, I can't imagine. Do you ever stop and think? I know you do. I need a break, and how am I going to get it? I mean, you have Rob, so and you have support systems in place, I would imagine. Well, but I mean, I thank God for my husband, Rob, without whom I am nothing. And the truth is behind any successful person is someone cheering them on and, and having their back. And Rob without a doubt has my back and 
other men may have walked away when they were when foisted upon them, you know, raising children. And Rob was stood by me and is a great grandfather. He was never he he's my daughter's stepfather, but he uh, never had kids. So he jumped right to grandparenthood and is doing a great job. And no, I, I couldn't do it without him. And he helps me when I need it and um, is there for the boys. So that's fantastic. You know, he doesn't work in the restaurant, which is a good thing. We like to keep separation, <laughs> uh, a little separation, but uh, he's there for me when I need him. So, you know, he never had kids consciously or unconsciously. And so most people in that situation would have decided they didn't want them for a reason. And I, it seems to me like I only see what I see the few times I'm together with you and on Facebook from both of you. But it seems to me that he has been just graciously uh, not only accepted, but, but embraced his role as a, as a father or grandfather. I don't know. You got to consider yourselves mother and father at this stage. This is what you're doing. Really? Um, it is. It is. And um, they call me Mama Lee, Mama Lisa, Mama Lee. And he's Papa Ro, Papa Rob. And um, yeah, I mean, we are raising them. We have them five days a week. And as I said, you know, morning, noon and night for school, for time when they don't have school, we take them on vacations um, and uh, try to fill their lives and enrich their lives so that they can be the best human beings they can be. And I feel that's the least I can do. And, you know, I'm certainly doing that for my daughter as well as these boys. And um, I just want to make them great human beings that are here for Mother Earth and everybody else, not just themselves. What do you think is inherent in your personality or what you've, the thing that you've learned that has helped you to be so energetic and so, uh, you know, this has been really tough times. The kids were home, right? They weren't going to school Dude, for part of this pandemic. It was so, so hard. I mean, if I wanted to be a teacher, I wouldn't be a chef. I mean, I would be a chef, but you know, it's like, no, it was so brutal and they were home. And I mean, thank God the restaurant wasn't open because I don't know how I could have juggled school, raising them and running the restaurant. So while they didn't have classes, we were home and uh, the restaurant was closed. And it was brutal because my house is under renovation. <laughs> Add that to the mix. You we don't have a, a kitchen. Flood. We had a flood two and a half years ago. A toilet overflowed that was in our, you know, off our kitchen, but then flooded into the kitchen. So everything had to be dug up. And, you know, we didn't have a, we were thinking about redoing a kitchen, but we didn't have a plan. So it took us forever to plan it. And then we planned it and then COVID hit. And then we had to replan it because we didn't have the money to do what we thought we could do because COVID and we were closed. And you need more money because the construction costs go way oh. up if you can even find somebody to do it. Well, and then if you even find anybody to do it, then we, we went two solid months where nobody came. And for example, we're on day two where nobody's here working. And I'm just... Um, I'm doing all I can do to keep my wits about me and uh, breathe and be patient. But I have been two and a half years without a kitchen through COVID. You know, everybody's posting their baking things and all that. And I'm using two 
electric burners and a toaster oven through all this. And, <laughs> you know, thank God, you know, I, I'm blessed and I'm not complaining, you know, from that sense. But you know, it, it, it has been tough to not at least have the distraction of being able to cook with the family and sit around a table. You know, it's it's been very, it's been hard. Uh, it's, you got thrown a lot. And on top of that, you know, COVID is not necessarily only about deciding which is not easy to close how to operate the restaurant close it open it how to do it but you had the stress of thinking about how you're going to get through this sustain a sustain a business and financially be afloat when all is said and done and it's like an earthquake you don't know when it's going to end so how how is that to uh how have you handled that and i guess i have to ask somewhere along the way here do you it's none of my business, but you must have a therapist. If it's not Rob, it's somebody else. Somebody's got to help you. Well, actually, I have been through therapy, but I kind of <laughs> graduated. I went through many years to address a, a number of things, and I kind of felt that they helped me as much as they could, you know, with that. With all this, you know, with what I have to deal with on a daily basis, if I had to rehash it all, I wouldn't have enough hours in a day. Um, and so I don't have the time, even if I wanted to, to see a therapist, but I don't, it's not really what I need. What I need are hours. It's really just about hours and, um, and also the fortitude to be able to deal with some of the adversity we have to deal with on a daily basis from all sides and, uh, and still weather that and have a smile on our faces and try to serve the public the best possible food we can for the best price we can and, carry on. I mean, that's really what the thing is. And how do I carry on? I don't know. You know, I really feel that a lot of stuff is in our genes. I, I, you know, I was born with my glass half full and the energy I have, I'm starting to run out of it though, Chris, I really am. I really got to tell you it's a, you know, admittedly I'm somewhat overweight. And when you have that much weight on your feet and you're on your feet 12 hours a day, they can't take it. And I've been doing this for 30 years. Like they're just like, they're saying, get off of me already. And mm. so if it weren't for my feet, I could go like the Energizer Bunny, but that really has been challenging. So I'm also working on uh, my weight and try there and see if that resolves the problem. But, you know, that's not easier said than done. <laughs> And, you know, let's face it, you're someone who loves food. Yes. And so, I mean, that's one more pile of shit for you to deal with. It's like shit on top of shit. And it doesn't seem, I mean, I, I, I just can't believe what you do. And you just alluded to it. It's actually more of a physical thing. But I was going to ask you if you have much left in the tank, because at some point you have to say, I just need to chill out. If you didn't have the restaurant, right, you could actually, it would still be a lot you're still raising kids most people have a challenge with that and, and don't get through that case in point um right over here <laughs> we didn't get through raising children together so i guess you still have something in the tank but your feet i agree with you i had uh friends over a couple of weeks ago and i calculated i calculated it i was on my feet for eight hours straight and I don't do it every day. And at the end, I was just complaining and saying, I got I just have to sit down and lie down. Yeah. So I don't know how you do it, man. I just don't yeah. know how you do it. It's, it's rough. Um, but I do love what I do. So there's that, number one. Number two, I have twins to support. And I, too, have two other grandchildren that I also help take care of. So 
um, and households to pay for. So I really have to keep going. I, I honestly don't have a choice to lay back and sit back. And especially after COVID, we've got to build back up. And I, I don't know how long that's going to take. So I can't just, I can't just say I don't want anymore. And, you know, maybe if I had my old location and I hadn't uh, doubled down and taken all my life savings and put it into the new location, maybe I just would have said, forget about it. But uh, I doubled down when I moved mothers. And uh, of course, it's so ironic. You know, I moved because we were so busy. There was no room for anybody to get in the door. And my staff was so, you know, it was so hard on my staff. We had all our storage downstairs. We had our offices upstairs. We were running in and out and over around because it was never made to be a restaurant. And the new location was so perfectly laid out with everything all on one floor, our own loading dock, our own garage door. You know, I just I just felt that it would be nirvana to move. And I also wanted mothers to continue on for perpetuity, whether I'm there or not. I felt like it's a concept that deserves to carry on. And so I did up and move it. And with that was, you know, tremendous cost. I mean, it was everything I had before I put down in the new. And so I can't walk away from this. I I have got to make this work. Well, maybe at some point down the road you can find a, a yeah. an interested buyer who would who would take care of it and get you out of it. But well, you know, in the, the meantime, is I wanted to go to my my staff. I really, if I do that, I want to work on you know, like Bob's Red Mill did. I have people that have been with me for decades, and I really feel like I want them to take over because they. They have drunk my Kool-Aid. We are on the same page. It's about motherly love and caring, hospitality. And um, so that's what I would hope for. I think you need a cocktail called called Lisa's Kool-Aid. I think that would be... Uh... <laughs> Mother's Kool-Aid. Drink this and you'll be smitten. Oh, I like that. Uh, yeah, and you'll, and, you'll, and you'll agree with everything I say. That's what I need. I need one of, the, I need one of those too. So listen, so you, you're talking... You've just been very frank about your challenges and then let's throw one more pile of huge shit on top of it you show up at your restaurant day after day with fucking rocks breaking your windows for absolutely zero reason zero right and then i i told the story to a lot of friends when uh, and i'd love to have you recount this because everybody doesn't do it but i saw your situation where you're outside dining the the structures uh, over overlapped the drainage uh, on well, a tree was, thing uh, for like an inch and that's what the that's what the Portland no, city government is focusing I, I was wrong there i was wrong there what was happening was the grates over those areas of ground in front of my uh, outdoor structures were strangling the trees and they put it on the landlord to take those grates off because the grates were strangling the trunks. Oh, so it was, was the grates wrong. and not the restaurant I mean, itself. I know, but meanwhile, I was freaking out. You know, you get this letter saying you're doing something wrong and you think all the onus is on you to fix it. You know, it is just another thing, you know, and it's I don't know that rocks are being thrown at the restaurant. Honest to God, we found uh, remnants of Fruit Loops, pe fruity pebbles next to one of the windows that had gotten broken. It looked like somebody threw a bowl of cereal 
I mean, well, maybe they I, needed milk. Maybe they were just short of milk yeah, and they were trying to no, get in. No, there was milk all over the ground. So, oh I mean, God. you know, it can be any projectile. In fact, I've asked my landlord, they put a bunch of pebbles um, where those grates were to protect the ground. And I called my landlord. I said, could you please move those pebbles? I can't give anybody a projectile right opposite my window. I don't need to give them ammunition. If somebody wants to break my window, they're going to have to find their own projectiles. So my landlord's going to move the stone, the pebbles. Well, and the pebbles would do it? All you have to do is take a rock and throw it at a window. Well, not a pebble. A pebble's going to... I would say it's their three-quarter inch rocks. Okay, that will do it. I don't know if that's a it. pebble or a rock. I don't know what the delineation is I, for rock. I shamefully pebble. admit that I can remember 50 years or 45 years back. I can I can attest to how small a rock will break a window like that. Okay. I, I, All right. Uh, so you, you know. know. We, Doesn't I have my much. moments of shame in life. But so, uh, I am looking into I'm bulletproof glass, and I'm looking into other uh, polycarbonate to in lieu of glass, but... You know, these are going to be at tremendous expenses. So, and and that's all on you, right? You yeah. can't appeal to the city for that. And, uh, you know, I how, uh, how has I, the... No, no, let me interrupt. Yes, there are funds to help reimburse for broken win windows from Prosper Portland. I haven't yet submitted the application. And I do have insurance that covers everything over $1,000. But every time a window is broken is a thousand dollars and we've had three broken windows since september oh okay i thought that you know it's funny you see something on facebook i literally would have guessed 10 but it's also because i've seen so many other windows broken from your industry colleagues that it just seems like everybody's getting broken into all the time you know, well, you know it's, and, and it's not just that i mean and and I want to say that it's nothing new let me first preface this with windows have gotten broken from time immemorial Graffiti has happened from time immemorial. You know, in fact, I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and saw the name Giuseppe on a piece of uh, Egyptian tomb. And I asked the guard, I said, what is Giuseppe? <laughs> he goes, people have wanted to write their names on things for, you know, millennia. So it, that's graffiti. All these issues have always happened. The only difference now is that there are less people downtown. So there's nobody to deter anybody. You know, they're not afraid somebody's going to walk up behind them. There's no plays. There's no theater. There's no office workers. There's no uh, activities. So without that, uh, Portland is a ghost town. And until Portland starts to pick back up, I think I'm going to keep on seeing this. So it, it wasn't happening uh, at your old restaurant for years? Oh, no, no, no. I would have at least one or one window broken a year. I would say. Okay. One, a, one a year is one thing, but to deal with it, you know, you never know when you're going to walk up and there it is. So, uh, but I, that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of that. It's the lack of, it's the lack of, um, deterrence. This, yeah. Deterrence. And the police, are they any help whatsoever? They are no longer involved in property crime. Property crime is no longer of police interest right now. Is that something that is that a conscious thing or they just don't have the ability to do it? They are consciously not doing property crime because they don't have enough people on staff. So they have to relegate the members they do have for people who are involved in physical crimes. So that also says to everybody, go ahead. It's it's fair game. Yeah. Um, 
That, people can't see it, but you are you are nodding in agreement. Well, I mean, <laughs> if there are no consequences to bad actions, what's the yeah. deterrent? No consequences, and you know we lost a lot of businesses downtown, too. I mean, you know, I'm uh, regardless of how anybody feels about the Gorums, I'm, I just think what happened to them, you know, while they were trying to feed people for free, was just a shame and terrible. Um, and, you know, we're in this world now where you have to be careful what you say. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty vocal on this podcast where I thought, I, I saw them actually, you uh, mirrored some of their sentiments and thoughts where I, I think one day in frustration, you mentioned uh, getting together groups of citizens to fight this in whatever term you want to do it. Well, John had said that same thing. <laughs> he got run out of town. Fight what? To fight the crime, to fight the vandalism, to, uh, you know, that nobody, the police weren't doing anything, so somebody had to do something. Well, no, what so. I think somebody has to do is get all the constituents together in a room and figure this out. If, if the politicians can't figure it out, then let's get business people, the homeless, the politicians, the cart owners, the restaurant owners, the hoteliers, the citizens, Get us in a room and let's work this stuff out. It just yeah, but unless you have the unless there's political will, you can't change laws or change what the police do, right? You can't get people in a room and have everybody nod and walk out, and then how does that work? Well, you get the politicians to agree to the consensus of the room, but you know it's what happens is is everybody's everywhere and pointing fingers. We got to stop with the finger pointing and work on productive resolutions, and that is by getting as many different constituents who have a, um, a stake in the, in the situation to give their opinion on how we can come up with a solution. Mayor Potter did it back when there was the sit-lie ordinance that passed that said that anybody can sit anywhere, this is America. And so business owners were complaining and saying, but yeah, you're, but they're blocking my door, they're blocking my this. So they got everybody together in the room and they said, okay, what, what could we live with? What do we need? What is the solution? How can we give people an opportunity to sit without them blocking somebody's doors? And we came up with a bunch of ideas that went back to the council and some were voted on. Like, well, if you don't want people to sit on the sidewalk, how about we get more benches? Imagine that. So then there were more benches put out. And if you don't want people to poop on the sidewalk how about portable toilets so people have a place to go and that started to happen so you know we can figure things out but it's not by finger pointing it's by productivity and working together but how do you make that happen i mean you you specifically you have great you know you in concept it's all great but do you have you would you have more time to put that together you have time to go to the meeting i would imagine i but, would make the time but, to go to the meeting but you need the leadership to, it has to start from the top down so you need the leadership yes you need somebody in city council whether the mayor or uh, sam adams has been helping says okay everybody let's get together and there was this guy um his his name is doug blower who worked with a group of religious organizations to do such a thing. And anyway, it's they are, they are also trying to work with City Hall to see if they can get people together to come up with solutions rather than talk about the problems and have nothing happen. 
Yeah, I. It's been a long time, right? It's been before COVID. We had problems, but since it's been crazy, and uh, you know, it's a sad state of affairs in the city. I think. Listen, I'm not there anymore, and I don't know a lot about government. I just see what I see, and and as a frustrated sometimes citizen and someone who operates in the city, I just it's such a shame. Um, but let's let's ask this: you are uh, your restaurant is in a hotel. How is tourism doing down there? Um, you know, Chris, when I moved the restaurant, I had no idea how beneficial it would be to be in a hotel. It never occurred to me, but it really is a great symbiotic relationship. And I'm really glad um, we moved there because I think that's one thing that's helping to keep us alive. Because if we get anybody, at least we get a hotel guest or two. And the vacancy rate has been pretty high. You know, it's like 20 to 30% on a Monday through Thursday. And maybe it peaks at about 60% on a Saturday night. But it's pretty low. You know, things are not yet happening. And, you know, with all the bad press, I mean, every time you turn your head, there's something negative said about downtown. It doesn't exactly invite people to come on down. And I swore at the beginning of the year, my New Year's resolution was going to be, don't say a bad thing about downtown. I'm not going to be one to perpetuate this. Because, you know, it's like anything negative. You repeat it enough, you make it re- your reality. And it's yeah, enough no. ready. It's enough- oh, I, don't, I have no idea about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Let's get my girlfriend on the, on the line here. No, you have, to, you have to make your reality. You have to, it's positive affirmations. Instead of all this negative stuff, it's time to start affirming why downtown Portland rocks. And the light festival that just happened is an example of something magical uh, that happens in our city, um, and it's just one of many things that make this city magical. And we got to stop dissing downtown. Well, downtown anywhere, we know Portland. Many of us moved here because it's such an it was and is such an awesome place. It's got it's got a lot of beautiful things. It's got a lot of things to do. It's got many demographic things going for it. Some not, but. Um, we know that if, if someone can get their act together, that what's left is the foundation for something fantastic. Yep. So, yeah, it's changed like anything else. I mean, every, every locale, every municipality over the past 150 years has, its, has had someone say, this sucks, it's changing, it's not the same. It doesn't matter. There's progress. And Portland had progressed to just a beautiful place with lots of bridges and mass transit and nice buildings and a food scene that was literally on a per capita basis second to none i would argue i i guess everything's all all things are equal so it's still it could be looked at as second to none because everything else has fallen back a little bit too so i i find it sad you know you will. You mentioned a moment ago that um, you didn't realize the benefits that a hotel would bring to you. But all you know, look at look at uh, Vitali Paley. He he was a that was a genius move to move into all the hotels. Well, that ended up. Who knew what was going to happen? Um, and I'm trying to think. Are there anybody? Is there anybody else like you still operating in a hotel that was operating in 2019? I know David Machado's gone out of the business and, and, but so you're standing, you're still standing in there. (laughs) 
I think some, I think some businesses, you know, I learned a valuable lesson in opening Mamma Mia Trattoria that I didn't want to be a restaurant group. Okay. And once you have more than one restaurant, you go from being a restaurant tour to being a group because it's physically impossible to be in two places at the same time. And that's ultimately why I sold it because I want to be in my establishment. But I think that a lot of, I, you know, I think what you saw was a lot of the restaurant groups that kind of went by the wayside because I think some of them, we all got so big, it all got too big. And I think what happened with COVID and even mothers, like we got so busy. I turned to one of my guys in the kitchen. I said, how are we going to sustain this? How can we possibly keep this pace? And I think all of us were at that point. It wasn't just mothers. It was whether it was the Toro Bravo group who had just opened that huge uh, party venue. And I went in there and I said, oh, my God, that this how are they going to pack this thing to make this cost worthy? And that was before COVID. Right. It, but it was just before COVID hit. And, you know, how many pock pocks can there be in one small city? Pock pock this, pock pock that. So. I think that I think some of us, we just it just got too big and everything. The whole earth needed to step back for a second, take a breath, give Mother Nature a break from all the pollution, all the stuff, all the ways we've just gone so hard and everything we've done and kind of COVID slapped. I know slapped me upside the head and said, OK, get back to earth here. You know what's important. And a lot of uh, a lot of businesses, too, you know. Grow, grew too much too fast. You more, rob Peter to pay Paul. You market, mortgage this to pay that. Uh, something doesn't fall for no reason. You know, it, some of these are cards that get built up and you just, it takes a lot to sustain them. And then you hope everything's going on and pump and pump and pump them. But once that pump stops, um, and and it out. does stop and you never know when it's going to come. It's like, listen, it's like investment bubbles, real estate bubbles, the market, everything seems to crash at some point. And I think we got to this point in Portland and I used to say, do we need more restaurants? No, we just absolutely don't. And I know quite a few operators who thought in the back of their mind or privately would say, we just, we need some of this to call out a little bit. It's too much for what we have. How so, many fried yeah. chicken places do we need? Honestly, how many places do fried chicken places? Do we need? How many ramen places do we need? I used to say that. I mean, yeah, I got by without pizzerias. Yeah, pizzerias. Well, I'll argue that you can't get enough pizza. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, no, I, it's true. But and the reset is interesting. And you know, now we're spending time wondering who's open when. And yeah. uh, so, uh, but things will change. It's got you know. Let's. Let's see when tourists come back, how long that's going to take and what that looks like. I mean, is the, I look at that Ritz and I think, what, how is that going to happen right now? Uh, but I know how it's going to happen. It looks like through COVID, the wealthier got, well, the wealthy got way wealthier. So that money's there. And, uh, but now you, they, we've got to find a way to, to have people afford to eat 
there. We could afford food carts that were in that block. Now are we going to be able to afford the restaurants that go in there? I don't think I don't think the general public will. I don't know who was going to all the restaurants before. I mean, I, well, you should know that you're the one of the main operators in in the city. Well, because, uh, I knew we had a lot of tourists. A lot of people right. were coming to Portland. Portlandia was a great half hour commercial for this city. Mothers mm-hmm. definitely benefited from increased tourism. Our location in the hotel near the Voodoo Donuts, not far from Saturday Market. You know, we really definitely benefited from from the growth and- of the city. And I think, you know, having been someone who was driven to Mother's the first time by the concierge at the at the Fifth Avenue Suites, where I stayed once, and I said, where do I need to go? And Mother's was, was it, it was easy for me to understand your menu. It was easy for me to fall in love with the concept of this is Mother's food, and everybody, when they're traveling, it's kind of nice to have that. So you've had a you know, you have a really solid concept that has not, doesn't rely on people knowing about the Pacific Northwest. They they need to know what breakfast, a great breakfast was all about and a good dinner and great service too. I will say that, that mothers of all the restaurants in Portland, you know, you're always going to get great service there. So um, it's a formula that works and I think can sustain uh, as we move forward. Chris, we are going to pause here a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, a uh, Portland institution, as it were, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, and uh, 78 years, I understand now. Man, it was the 75th pre-pandemic, and now, boy, that, that time went fast. 78 years. We should cover the necessary particulars about what they're doing now. They're offering indoor dining and uh, heated and covered outdoor dining, and they're also doing to go, which I want to talk about in a second, but also they're doing seating in the bar as though it was the restaurant. So that beautiful bar that they just renovated a few years ago is now kind of part of the dining room, but it's it's got a cool vibe to it. So um, so all sorts of the hours are uh, 4 to 9 on weekends or 4 to 9.30 on Saturday, actually 4.30 to 9.30 on Friday, 5 to 9 Wednesday and Thursday. So they're closed now on Monday and Tuesday, although if you check in, sometimes they will be open on Tuesday. Um, and also, if you call an hour and a ahead, you can get to go, your food to go. I just did a party with 10 people at my house. Ringside provided all the food, and it was spectacular. We had New York stri- boneless New York strip steaks, which were easy for me to do on the grill, and then slice up. The mashed potatoes, all sous vide, were fantastic. We got ingredients for salad, hazelnuts, two types of dressing, green beans, uh, and oh, lobster tails as well. And uh, it was really easy to do. And also for dessert, very simple, some of the best toffee you're ever going to have. You just throw that on a plate and it's all good. So we were looking for something that was less work intensive and ringside provided it. It's very nice. So whether it be for a special occasion like Valentine's Day, and we should recommend get those reservations made right away, or a special occasion happening at your place, Ringside Steakhouse has you covered. Yeah, and you can find them on Open Table or at ringsidesteakhouse.com for reservations, or you can call them at 
503-223-1513. That's 223-1513 for reservations and uh, to order something to go. Do you, do you th- how long do you have the energy to do this? Do you have, do, is this something you don't want to think about right now? <laughs> one day at a time, Chris. One day at a time. That's it. One so day you're at just a time. taking it one, one day at a time. All right. So those on, I doubt there are people that are unfamiliar, but I always will say that there's always, there are, Portland and Oregon has been growing rapidly over the years. It might have had a little bit of a stunted year or two. But there are a ton of people who may not have heard of Mothers. Let's take an opportunity for you to talk about what the what Mothers is all about. Uh, if you were doing a little elevator speech to, uh, what would that be? A restaurant in downtown Portland that serves home cooking from mothers around the world, made with love uh, by people who care, and served with love by people who care. Um, everything we do from scratch using classic French techniques. I'm a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America and worked in four-star restaurants in New York and France. And I wanted, I always knew I would open up Mothers. I even went to the Culinary Institute of America knowing I would open up Mothers. And everything I did during the time from when I started till eight years later when I opened the restaurant was keeping Mothers in the back of my head. So while working at Les Panas in New York City and throwing away half the vegetable to have the perfect square on the plate, I kept on saying, I am not going to do this when I have my restaurant. This is a crime against humanity. Um, I will not throw food away. Um, So, you know, we do our own stocks and braises and everything is made with love. And we have our own baker and she's amazing and our own Parker House rolls and buttermilk biscuits, which we do not charge for when you first sit down, you actually get the bread. And, um, is that something you've considered? You've mentioned before that how are you going to be how are you going to be able to sustain in this environment? I'm sure every restaurant had that. Okay, we're going to have to start paying charging for bread. We have no choice, especially if people are eating unlimited bread. The the thing about charging for it is it's it sets a limit for people. And anyway, I just Yeah, I know. So many paradigms have to change, Chris. And uh, but I I I did stop giving away little cookies at the end of the meal because it takes a lot of work to make the dough and to bake them and to give them out. And then if people don't eat them and during COVID, you know, they go right into the garbage. It's just, it was a sin. So we, um, but I'm sticking with the bread for now and giving it away because it's mother, you know, you've got to get a little something, something from mom. And uh, we forsook the cookies at the end of the meal, sadly. All right, so if someone is, um, let's hear it right from, from, from the mother. If someone is sitting there going, what should I order? Because you have a beautiful menu. What is it that you, you know, of course it's what everybody likes, but generally speaking, what would you say is your favorite thing to serve? Well, that you're waiting to see the to smile say, on people's faces. The coolest thing is that mothers, you know, we, as you know, we, well, we serve uh, slow-cooked food made with love. So... At dinner time, we offer things that you can't really find everywhere because it takes so long to make it. So pot roast or chicken and dumplings, the pot roast, you know, takes six hours and the veal stock cooks for 12 hours. And 
Um, so the beautiful thing with some of those dishes is we can offer half orders of them. And we have a thing on the menu called the double down where you can get a half chicken and dumpling and a half a pot roast or a half meatloaf and a half mac and cheese and try two things for the price of one. So I always recommend if it's your one and only time coming to mother's, get the pot roast or get the dumplings, get something you don't find just anywhere. And you certainly don't find, you know, whole chickens cooking for hours that then go into the dumpling um, broth. So um, slow cook food. And then at, at brunch time, I also do the same thing. I say, look, at, on the weekends, you can get a half a Benedict, you can get a single pancake, you can have a half a French toast, you can have a half salmon hash. Get a couple half orders and try a few things. Don't, uh, I can't commit to just one dish. I couldn't do it if I was there. I think many people are like that. That's why it's wonderful to have more than one person to go dine with. You can do that. But you've set it up so you can be solo and yep. enjoy a few things. But that's the perfect marriage of 1960s and 70s and before that. And the 2020 uh, style of eating. We all like to have small plates and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So, uh, you know, when you mentioned pot roast, if I had to think of one thing that my mother craved, was pot roast and when she came to portland we went direct to mother's for pot roast so and uh and she wasn't easy to please believe me <laughs> so we made that happen so what do you see as um some challenges you need to overcome right now what are the big challenges for the restaurant and then uh perhaps personally moving forward well, i know I you you know you used to go to burning man all the time you can't do that or haven't been able to do that for a little while and that's probably a reset for you well the biggest challenges are is getting myself off the line you know i'm still helping give breaks um when it's busy i go, you know everybody gets a half hour break so i go behind the line i'm expediting and then my sous chef you know okay gives a break to each person who who has to go and so that my goal is to beef up enough staff and get enough people um on on the payroll so that i can at least not be on the line i um it's it's an you know i own the restaurant i'm the gm of the restaurant it's not good to be in a line position because then i can't be everywhere but you had you you were at you had achieved that before COVID, yes. correct? Yes, oh, we had achieved employee nirvana. I even turned to one of my managers and I said, thank God, look at us. We have the most amazing people. We, Honest, Chris, I thank God all the time for the gifts and, and all the success. I don't take any of it for granted. And I was so grateful that we had achieved an amazing group of people. It was incredible. We got up to 102 employees and then COVID, <laughs> the slap upside the head. And so, yes, a lot of people came back. Um, a lot of people didn't. You know, people moved on with their lives, and rightly so. Uh, so we have to build again. We're just rebuilding. We're rebuilding. We were Can you rebuild in this environment? I know it's really hard to get talented staff, you know, front and back of the house. If you pay enough and you give enough and you care enough and you're good enough, you will get staff members that you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your prince and you have to have the expectation that you're not going to, it's going to take a lot of people before you find the one. And it's always been that way, but we never want to believe it should be that way, but that's always the way it's been. 
it's not ever, never easy to find anybody good for one's kitchen. You have to really call and uh, where mothers is certainly not the right fit for everybody. People do not want to have to work as hard as you have to work at mothers. I mean, you can work in a restaurant and make a dish or two every hour, or you can work at mothers and have to make um, 35 an hour. You know, it's, it's, it really, it's not for everybody. So, um, you know, we didn't, we've had health benefits from day one. Okay. We didn't need Obamacare to tell us that we've had 401k for the last 10 years. We always paid top dollar. So while some restaurants had to come to terms with the fact that they have to provide good benefits for their staff, we've done it and have had to do it and will continue to do it um, into the future. And one of the things I even did was I dropped the um, number of hours one has to work in order to get health care. I, instead of raising you know, making it harder for people to get what they need. We said, okay, it used to be 30 hours. Now we dropped it to 25 because we're only open four days a week. So how can somebody always get those hours? So we made a choice to make it easier for people to get benefits, not harder. And that's not an easy choice for you to make because you got to sit down with spreadsheets and, and it's, no. it's probably not going to make you any more money. That's for sure. No, we're losing money. Let me be honest. We are losing money. But the thing is that um, if I don't take, I got the employees directly impact me. They literally, it either makes my life easier or harder by somebody coming into my employee. I am 100% impacted. I do take it personally. And I, I treat it as a personal situation where if I hire somebody, I'm the one benefiting. So it, you know, I may not um, be making much money. In fact, at this point right now, we're losing money, but I might have time, more time with my grandson. So like, I'll take off a Thursday night and, and uh, know that the restaurant will be fine. And that's worth a lot of money. So the health of the industry, we've got save restaurants and the restaurant le relief funds that need to be refund, you know, funded. Or have you been able to benefit through some of those programs? And do you think a lot of people are going to be able to sustain? Because it's coming time now that the rubber's going to hit the road when um, mask mandates come off and it gets a little more difficult to feel uh, to maintain safety for your own employees. It's not only customers, it's your employees too. How, what's, what's the um, play of the well, land? We look were like? extremely fortunate that we did get the Restaurant Revitalization Act money. It, I, it is a miracle and I am so grateful and it is the only thing that is keeping me sane is the fact that I'm and alive and alive and knowing that we're going to be okay through all this hell mothers will be okay and we will survive and that's thanks to the government money and um i you know how did it happen how did we look out you know somebody said to me well how did you get it and i did and i said well did you sit there at the computer at six o'clock in the morning ready to hit the send button with your application well my accountant did they said Oh, their cotton got up at six o'clock in the morning to hit the reset button. When it, no. <laughs> so, you know, I really, I, you know, I was right there with my finger on the button. Um, and, and actually I got up at six in the morning and it turned out it wasn't until nine. It was six o'clock Eastern standard time. 
Uh, but anyway, I don't know how I looked out. I just looked out. I was right there at the very first, first second that I could send the application. And what ironically happened was is that it was supposed to be benefiting women and uh, BIPOC organiz uh, restaurants first. And then some, and mothers is 50-50. My husband and I, um, at some point we made it, made it 50-50. So I couldn't even be considered a woman owned organization. And then somebody mm -hmm. in Texas, um, protested that women and BIPOC people were being put ahead of them. And so then they made it open to everybody. And then they just took it in the order of the application received. So it turned wow. out that's how I lucked out and got the award so, so it's going to keep us alive yeah and you know the irony is not the irony the it was like sad that. fact is that the companies that had the resources to sit there with their finger on the button and get their app applications filled out properly are the big ones and so there aren't they the ones that got most of the funds the the big the big chain restaurants i don't know i don't know I don't know. And, and in all honesty, it breaks my heart that there's resentment from people in the industry because I got funds and I, I saw, you know, somebody had made a comment on Facebook and it's like, you know, why would you begrudge somebody for having been blessed with getting their application in, you know, like <laughs> it, what, what does it take from you? Um, and you know, the, the, the amounts that were distributed were based on revenue from 2019 versus 2020. It wasn't, we didn't get to set the amount. This is what the government deemed. These are the, the parameters. So, um, right. I just hope that they do. And I, you know, and I even put on Facebook and social media trying to get people to call their congressman because I want my fellow restaurateurs to stay in business. I want the government to replenish the the Restaurant Revitalization Act money. I want everybody to survive. And, um, and that's why I continue to fight to save restaurants because it's not just about me. And um, we're a community. And I feel we're a community, and sadly, um, it's not always the way other people see this situation. Well, we also live in a place, I think, where there are there's a certain percentage of the population that thinks success is anti-democratic, and you know they like to anybody who's successful is a problem. So um, you know, yeah, in order for this society to work, you need successful people, employing people, and and uh, and driving it. It's um, so you know, and you have another challenge in that you. Mentioned it before, you have to go through, you have to kiss a lot of f frogs before you find the prince. You got a lot of frogs out there who probably say, well, you know, negative things about you and your restaurant because they've gone through the kitchen and they, it, no matter whose fault it is, um, they and they left unhappy. So, uh, you know, you mentioned that the prior, the earlier when you appeared on the podcast is that, you know, mothers is not for the faint of heart. And there are a lot of faint of heart out there. What is your, with, I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position and you can certainly say, I want to take the fifth, but the work ethic today versus 20 years ago, uh, how would you? 
describe I think that. There's different drives. Okay, when I was working, when, when I was going to cooking school, I worked for free in order to go up the ladder. My first job out of cooking school was at Le Cirque at seven dollars and fifty cents an hour. I worked sixty hours a week and made three hundred and fifty dollars a week. I couldn't live off of that because I was raising my daughter. So three nights a week, I walked over to La Madre on Madison Avenue and worked as a server until midnight. I worked 90 hours a week for a solid year just to be able to live in New York City. Okay. The point was, is that the people in the food industry definitely had aspirations of growing, working for a good chef, learning the way of doing things, understanding how hard it was. But, you know, there was also a lot of negativity in kitchens as well. Absolute lack of respect for, for staff, absolute lack of respect for their hard labor. And, you know, as reflected in my pay, you know, Le Cirque felt that they could get away with paying me so little because at least I get to say I worked at Le Cirque on my resume. So, you know, there was this give and take, but nowadays that just that wouldn't fly. And I never believed in treating my people like that. I mean, I always paid well. I would never underpay. And for example, when somebody stages, I never make somebody work more than an hour. I've hear restaurants, you know, have them work for hours upon hours and don't even kick them a meal or whatever. And I would never make you work an hour, you get a free meal. I'm done. I can see if you can hack it at mother's in an hour. I can see if you could chop dice, move fast and understand direction. Um, so it's about respecting, um, the staff, but even today, if you respect your employees and you give them a good opportunity and a good working environment, a hard work is truly not for everybody. And I don't think it's generational. I don't think it's generational. I just think that it's, it's a, uh, a drive just like I'm driven. You say, where does it come from? I could never work in a place where I just stood there. I literally would lose my mind. And the, the people who work for me are like me. They cannot sit still. They need to be moving. They can't work in a place that isn't fast paced or they would, they, they couldn't hack it. So, um, I really think that it's just a matter of, again, kissing a lot of princes, interviewing a lot of people, having people try out, seeing what we do, seeing if they're made made for it, and if not, moving on, and we will eventually find the right people. Well, that's, again, there's your positive attitude, <laughs> and it's working. Your, uh, your, your, new, your New Year's resolution, you're practicing it, and good for you. Um, uh, one other question I have for you. You and Rob do get out to eat once in a while, I would imagine, and we're a supportive community. You know, that's one thing that has always uh, struck me about Portland, and I hope that that stays with us. Do you have any particular spots that you'd like to well, uh, uh, highlight that you've been going that you that you think are worth mentioning? You know, I think like a lot of people, I'm turning to ethnic food uh, for my takeout enjoyment because it's not something that I make uh, readily at home. And I've gone through all the Chinese restaurants, but um, two I would love to highlight is one, I love Shandong and I almost don't want to say how much I love it because I know the owner Henry sold it. And so now he has a different place. So he doesn't even really own it anymore. But the <laughs> food at Shandong, which is in Northeast is, um, and I can, I ordered it from DoorDash. It came within an hour is so delicious. Every single dish has a different flavor that's bright 
and wonderful. Um, Judy's noodles are amazing. Their mushu pork is delicious. Uh, their Brussels sprouts are great, if not a little sweet. But I, anyway, love Shandong. That has been, and then I love Eam. Eam is uh, great. I can't, uh, you know, and they get a lot of accolades, and I feel they are absolutely well-deserved. Eam's food is delish. Well, whatever Earl touches is, yeah. is pretty incredible. Yeah. Now, I don't know offhand what the hours, I guess I could easily go, look, are they open now? Are they doing just takeout or can you go? What just started to maybe go back into in-house dining or hot yai did, but I'm not sure. I I think I remember seeing something like they're ready to be back. Well, and it's good to see that not only has uh, Earl sustained his few restaurants, talk about someone who started very humbly with, with, uh, he had some business interests before Padi, but, um, uh, but just started very humbly and has just kind of grown and it's just uh, he's he is one of the nicest guy in show business guys in show business and it's good to see that happen yeah. along with his partners Eric and uh, oh no there goes the memory it'll who's come the, who's to you. The I don't you're looking at me it's your job <laughs> <laughs> well I'm sure I know the person very well it's just hey it's the 60 plus year old memory. <laughs> is unbelievable unbelievably bad so um listen lisa i have to remember to thank you because i know you're busy i sincerely appreciate your coming on i love you know you've made me love my podcast again today because i've seen you on channel six or channel eight and doing your thing going out there and talking about the challenges of the restaurant industry or an article here and there but this podcast you really get to hear a lot more and get to know you better and i really appreciate the fact that you're um you're open and you're an open book and uh just just a treat. I'd love to have you and Rob sometime He's on great. the podcast. He's very entertaining. I'm in. I know he'd be in. He would love to kibitz with you. Absolutely. Well, we could have him with you or without you. So, um, yeah. either way. You decide. Um, you let us know and we're there. I would love to have him and I would love to spend, if there's a way to get out with you two at some point and enjoy a meal, we've never done that. Well, so, I might have to drive a kitchen because I cannot wait to roast a chicken. So uh, as soon as I do, I'm just having everybody over for roast chicken because <laughs> I haven't right. had well, an oven for almost two and a half years. I've been to a couple of your uh, shindigs at your place and they're always just a treat and I appreciate it. So I'll look forward to that. And you're always welcome out here on the coast. If you want to make anything in my kitchen, <laughs> you have carte blanche anytime. Thank you, so, Chris. Uh, and it's a nice kitchen. You might enjoy it. So, um, all right. Thank you, Lisa, very much. Um, we'll look forward to seeing you. Oh, I have a question. My son, who's a loving guy, and I got me a mother's gift card for some occasion, birthday, wrong it the pandemic. It never expires, don't worry. That's I know, but I'm feeling guilty about even using any gift cards at this stage of the game. But I kind of feel like, well, he wanted me to use it. Bring it on, Chris. Bring it on. I'd love uh, to have you. <laughs> All right. So is that, a, is that a blanket statement from a restaurateur that it's okay to use those gift cards from way back dude, now? Dude, we owe it to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know, but God, there was a, there was a sentiment along the way where I heard some, some people who own restaurants saying, I can't believe people are using gift cards right now. And I thought, you know, that is a little bit 
it's I know they're going through their challenges, but it's like asking for free money from your customer base. So Yeah, no, I'm 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 excited and eager to feed you. So you come on down. Well, I will also say this. This is how wonderful Mothers is. My girlfriend and I went two, three weeks ago. Uh, had a Portland weekend. We stayed at the Ace Hotel, and I said, "And we're going to go to Mother's." And then you weren't open, oh. so um, <laughs> so there was that. But we'll get there, and it's easy to get to. So um, good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. One quick thing: I'll let you do all the uh, social media, website, where to find Mother's, and where to find you physically too. Mother'sBistro.com, Facebook slash Mother's Bistro. Instagram slash Mother's Bistro, Twitter slash Mother's Bistro. We're at 121 Southwest 3rd Avenue in downtown Portland, diagonally across from Voodoo Donuts. And we're open Thursday through Sunday. That was the best. I love that. And you, that is top of mind. You've done that before. I can tell you that. Chris, it's been 22 years, hon. 22? Yeah. So uh, that reminds me, so we're in 2022, so it's 2000, but if you've ever watched the movie Lost in America, there's a famous line in there where, um, where, uh, the, where they're at the casino and she is barking, 22, 22, 22, and you walk up and there's this wonderful guy sitting next to her who's been obviously sitting next to uh, Albert Brooks's wife, uh, played by oh there I go with my memory again um who said who just looks at the looks at Albert Brooks and says she must really love 22 so I recently met some friends who have two people who have 22 tattooed on their arm because of that and uh maybe you should be looking at getting a 22 a 22 tattoo if you're if you're into that sort of thing and i even saw a license plate 22 recently uh 22 love 22 so well let's hope 22 is a year to love where it's a little too soon to tell i think it's going to be a little more lovable than 2020 of god's ears yes all right thank you very much i appreciate it lisa thank you chris Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right